Hi, I'm Marcela Kunova and this is your weekly journalism.co.uk podcast. This week, I caught up with Alex Wood, European editor at Forbes and founder of The Memo, a digital business magazine he set up back in 2015. One year ago, The Memo was bought by Forbes and Alex became a leader of its European operation. We saw many British publishers trying to expand their outreach into the US. For example, we saw The Economist launching a podcast with the US-based news website Slate to widen their audience. But what about the other way around? What makes the UK attractive for such a big player as Forbes? Um, I, I think it's, it's part of a much longer-term um, strategy for Forbes. They, they really recognise that um, Europe, despite um, what people might say about politics and economic situation, I think Europe is still very much a key driver of growth. I mean, if you think about startup businesses in general, so many of them are started in Europe, um, in continental Europe, and maybe they might move to London to access more capital. And then as part of that journey, they may expand to the US or they may service the European market. But you know, as, as, as you know, the, the European single market, we, we still, for the moment, have um, almost half a billion people there. We're still a sizable market. And really, I, I think for me personally, it's, it's around um, all of the industries we have, the talent around creative industries, finance, um, tech as well. We still are a really important part of that puzzle. Now, many wonder how Brexit will impact UK media landscape especially for something like growing a UK-based operation. Do you think Brexit will damage that? Um, I think that um, Brexit is obviously on the minds of um, our readers across boards and also our, our under-30 community. But I will say that I think that the fundamentals in the UK and in London more specifically are still there. I think people still want to come here. I don't know what the future will hold. I hope it will be positive, but I think... No matter what, we're still going to be um, an important part of the world's economic growth. We're still going to be needed to cover those stories um, no matter what happens. And you know, the team in the U.S. are interested and excited to see where Europe goes. And I think putting the politics and the politicians to one side, I look towards the young people, the entrepreneurs who are making positive change regardless of what's happening. That is a massive leap going from about half a million readers a month that Memo used to have to now 80 million readers worldwide. Now that you cater for such a large audience, is there anything in particular about the UK and European audience in terms of their reading habits? Um, I think, um, based on my experience of um, editing over the last year, I think something that I've really picked up on and I'm very excited about is um, social impact. Um, And a lot of the entrepreneurs that I speak to, even if they're... uh, running for-profit businesses, they're, they're really excited about this sense of purpose and really thinking about the, the impact that their businesses have. And mm-hmm. so that's something that I think is a, is a more unique flavour to Europe um, and I think it's a fantastic thing and I really want to champion it more. Integrating two publications is not always a seamless process. How did you go about making the two teams work together? I think one of the reasons why um, we immediately had a great fit between the memo and Forbes is that um, when Forbes was founded, 
102 years ago, um, it was very much about the people and the personalities behind entrepreneurial capitalism, um, really profiling them, elevating and, and getting under the skin of entrepreneurs. And um, the memo's mission um, publicly was to make the future more human. And we were really interested in how technology and digital were changing the world and almost translating that and humanizing it and, and bringing it to life. So actually, our editorial ethos and mission was incredibly similar. And so it made that tra transition really seamless. And I think um, our editorial teams in Europe and in the US are very like-minded. Forbes has quite a particular way to work. Can you tell us more about your contributor model and how it enhances your news coverage? So when we started um, back in oh, a year ago, almost today actually, um, we arrived with 80 contributors uh, in Europe and um, we have grown that, the team in Europe, to 400 um, in the past year. So it's been a really rapid growth. Um, and the contributor model, I think, is something that's really interesting because um, one of my personal passions is around giving um, a voice to more people um, and having more diverse voices um, in the media. And what that enables us to do is, for example, in our, in our Brexit coverage, um, we have um, had leaders and um, experts from Poland, for example, talking about some of the, the, the thinking around a potential poll exit in the future. We've had um, people who've been economists um, for 25, 30 years based out of London who are now giving us incredible market insight into what happens each time there's a political move. What does that mean for the financial markets? And I think it's a really important part of the future of journalism because we need to have more diverse views. And we also need to accept as journalists that actually there are other experts in the field and maybe our role is also to elevate them. So... When we talk about diversity, is it diversity of opinions or, say, promoting gender equality or giving visibility to ethnic minorities? It's diversity ac across the board. So something that we've reviewed uh, throughout the, the last year is uh, both diversity in terms of gender and ethnicity, but also about the countries as well. So I'm, I'm very careful to make sure that it is truly pan-European operation. This is about more than just a London outpost um, of Forbes in the US. It's a truly pan-European publication. So how do you do that? Uh, constantly checking in. Um, we, we have an actual map on the wall um, and we make sure that we look at it visually. We also analyze um, whether we properly cover every industry in Europe as well. And we're constantly reviewing it and refreshing it to make sure that we're covering as wide a view as possible. I mean, I, I've always made um, a clear message in all of my journalistic work throughout my career that I really care about diversity. Um, it's something that um, was embedded in our culture at the memo and it's embedded in our culture at Forbes as well. And Forbes just hired um, a diversity and inclusion um, reporter from CNBC. She's just recently joined us in New York. And um, it, it can even mean things on a very micro level. So, for example, um, when I and my team are asked to go on panels, uh, industry panels and in, in conferences, for example, we always ask and check whether um, the, the panel is truly diverse, particularly in terms of gender. And I'm really proud that we will openly um, say to event organizers that we don't th think it's acceptable that you don't have diversity. And we try to be part of that small change to kind of improve things across the board. How do you keep on the forefront of digital innovation? Yes, absolutely. I think um, something that's been so um, lovely at Forbes actually is that when, when we joined, obviously being a former entrepreneur myself, I had some apprehensions about that kind of cultural transition from having a startup to being in a bigger business. 
And um, within the first couple of months, I was so surprised to see that um, so many of the senior leadership team at Forbes, including our CEO, our CTO, our chief content officer, are all former entrepreneurs themselves. And so there's a real culture, and it might sound like a cliche, but there really is an entrepreneurial culture in Forbes. And so um, when my team um, started looking at things like expanding the contributor network, our mindset as coming from the startup was very much, how can we solve this problem? How can we use technology and tools to scale faster, to be more agile? And we have actually, I'm really proud to say, brought many of those ideas and tech and tools um, into Forbes, and they're now being used in, in New York as well. At Mimo, you published mostly written articles but you are now producing loads of audiovisual content. Can you tell us more about that? We, we do produce a lot of video um, out of the UK and across Europe as well, and, and events are a really key part of what we do. I mean, one of the most um, fun videos we've produced um, in the last year is um, my reporter, Tom Brewster. Um, he is one of the leading writers um, on cybersecurity, and he had a 3D-printed um kind of mask of his face made um yet it scanned and then created it's the most freaky thing like you have to see it uh it lives in his drawer and we had some people to come and clean the office recently they pulled open the drawer and they screamed as there's his head inside the drawer it looks so lifelike and the reason why he had this um, mask created was to test how good things like Face ID are on an iPhone or um, on Android devices. And it was really surprising. So I can tell you, if you have an iPhone, you don't need to worry. The security is pretty tip-top and it won't fool it. But many of the Android phones that are on the market, you could actually open it just by making a copy of your face. Are you planning on producing any content specifically for smart speakers? So we do produce a, a news briefing for Amazon Alexa out of the US at the moment. Um, I've just said Alexa and my speakers have all just lit up in my room. I shouldn't say her name. Um, but also, in addition, podcasts um, are a big part of our strategy. We launched a, a podcast on entrepreneurship out of Europe last year. Um, over in the US, Steve Forbes um, is, is launching a new series where he interviews some incredible world leaders. And we also do podcasts on our 30 Under 30 series. I'm really interested to hear more about digital innovation and Forbes. How does that business, that entrepreneurial culture, impact digital innovation? Um, we are always on the on the lookout for kind of smart new ways. Um, something you might not be aware of that I, I think we should be hugely proud of at Forbes. Again, going against the grain from the rest of the industry, we actually built our own content management system from scratch. Um, it, it was launched last year. It's called Bertie. It's named after the original founder of Forbes, um, Bertie Forbes. And um, it, it essentially it looks like Medium. It's a fantastic product that is genuinely built around the needs of a writer. And I know that for many journalists, we can sometimes struggle with the complexity of content management systems, and they can really slow us down. And we've even got um, some real cutting-edge technology using artificial intelligence that, as you write, it optimizes your headline, um, and it also even suggests images from um, various image libraries like Getty as you produce your story. So the idea is to try and remove as many of those barriers as possible from the writer and just get them to focus on what they do best. That all sounds terrific. What have you got in the pipeline for next year? Something that I learned very quickly in my first um, couple of months at Forbes, which is a, a real positive surprise for me, 
was um, the number of local language editions we have across Europe. So, for example, Forbes France and Forbes Spain, Portugal, etc. Um, those are licensee partners that work in the local market with um, local journalists, experts in the field, and also contributors on a similar model to how we work. And um, something that really caught my attention was actually as you put together that network of journalists across Europe, we have over a thousand people. Um, and, and I believe that that's market leading in business journalism um, for the region. And so um, I'm working across the next year to look at ways that we can actually tie that network together, to work together on investigations, to share stories um, from across every corner of Europe and actually build arguably the strongest network of journalists um, in the whole industry. That's all we have time for this week. Thank you to Alex Wood, European editor at Forbes, for talking to us. Our Newsrewire conference is fast approaching, so don't forget to go on newsrewire.com and book your tickets. Hope to see you there. Bye!